Backchat Studios is a part of the ACAST Creator Network. Head to backchatpodcast.com.au to sign up as a patron and access all of our merch. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Backchat Basketball Show, and again, we're having guest after guest, great uh, people coming on board to be a part of the show. No Greg Heyer, uh, no Ben Malice here, but Paul Smith, owner of the Sydney Kings, is here, and look, they said it couldn't happen because, uh, you know, I'm from Perth, and I didn't think Paul would want to speak to someone from Perth, but he's given up uh, some time. Thanks for joining us, Paul. No worries, Dan. It's good to be here, mate. Now, um, if you do want to find us on Instagram, it's backchat underscore basketball, and you can send us an email, hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. If you send me anything, we'll probably read it out because um, I'm like that, and uh, we like to have lots of questions, and that's how people get in touch with us. Um, Let's chat uh, NBA news in a sec, but first, before we do that, I want to hear about your greatest sporting achievement, Paul. Now, usually I speak to basketballers, so I tell them they're not allowed to tell me anything about basketball because that's sort of cheating. So for you, I'm going to give you open slather. Um, so your greatest sporting achievement, and look, I'll say this: you can't say winning a championship with the Kings. Okay, so no, that, no, no. Well, that was that, that was, on it. That, that's a great moment, but it's not a great sporting achievement for me. No. Personally. All right. So tell us, what's yours? Um. Oh, look, it's pretty much not nothing. Uh, nothing special, really. Probably. Uh, um. You know, playing representative rugby. Uh, here in New South Wales was probably um, up there. Uh, you know, winning an under nine rugby league grand final was a great, was a great thing. You know, you know they, those little things that matter. We we went through, we went a whole season undefeated in the Group Seven Gorilla Gorillas. Um, nice. There's a moment there, and uh, you know these. No, it's not a not a glorious thing. Shooting a low number in golf was good. All that sort of stuff. But yeah, I've never, nice. I've never achieved anything um, outstanding in in sport. You know, winning, winning, nothing like winning an NBL championship. That's sure. <laughs> well, look, I'm all for the lower, like the younger things that stick with you. I'm just gonna. Hang on, is it here? It is actually. Just bear with me a sec. I'll show. I'll show you this. This is a. Uh, Right. This is my my cricketing trophy. I was under twelves, um, and I bowled five for sixteen in the grand final, and that's yeah. the ball from the actual um, from the actual game. So that's my greatest sporting achievement. There's nothing there's nothing uh, bad about the younger grades that stick with you your entire life. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I have a I have a thing with it. I have a I'll tell you a little story. For yeah. what it's worth. So I don't I I'm not a great fan of sports memorabilia. Now, right. I say that because I work in sport. I've worked in sport my entire career, and. So, um, you know, particularly when I was working in the United States and offices there, you, you, you know, you'd receive so many things, just so many gifts from teams and all those sorts of things. And, and so um, it became a bit cluttery, you know, bobbleheads and, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. amazing what, you know, all our staff would get gifts and all these sorts of things. We're very generous of all our clients, you know. But I, you know, and I'd, I'd have this thing where I'd say, well, look, it got to a point where the office was so cluttered that I, I said, look, you can only have three things on your, three pieces of memorabilia on your desk at any one time. <laughs> Everything else you can put in the pool room. And they said, what, what do you mean by the pool room? So I had to explain what the castle was. And so we <laughs> yeah. set aside a meeting room that became a shelf space for all this, all this <laughs> memorabilia. And people would put in there. They didn't lose it. They just had to store it and bring it yeah. out seasonally and things like that. And so the only thing that I kept in my office that was any form of memorabilia was the pennant. These in the old days used to get a felt pennant, yeah. and that was the Rural Rural Gorillas Under Nine Premier's pennant. <laughs> and I used to that was the only thing I kept in my office with all these you know sports coming through, 
and they'd look up and go, "What's what's we're really gorillas, man? What's all that about?" You know, so That's so cool. yeah, it's it's a fond memory. So I'm like yeah, you. you. You've got a cricket ball. I've got a pen. Yeah. yeah, my um, I remember I called my dad like this. It it randomly came up a little while ago, like two years ago, about this. I remember I had this trophy. I called my dad and I was like. Dad, do you remember that cricketing trophy? And as soon as I said the word like cricketing trophy, I didn't even get the word trophy. I was like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Like he 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 was very parents proud. don't throw anything out. Yeah. Parents don't do that. There's yeah. a there's a that's a that's a that's a great thing about your parents. They yeah. keep everything. Unfortunately, it can be embarrassing. <laughs> that's right. Um, in, so in the NBA, the playoffs are happening right now. Um, mm-hmm. My team, the Dallas Mavericks, as you can see over my shoulder, weren't present yes. because. I don't want to talk about it. I've talked about it too much on this podcast. Um, do you have a team in in the playoffs that you're backing? Uh, look, I, I'm, look, I've, I kind of uh, we we have a bit of an affiliation with the Warriors, so I'm, I'm yep. and I, you know, I just love what they do. But look, frankly, uh, the Knicks is who I who I'm sort of secretly rooting for. Yep. Uh, having lived in New York and actively engaged in the uh, Sydney New York versus Boston antics. So the Knicks are Knicks are my team, and it's great to see them there. Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah. I'm upset with the Knicks because um, Jalen Bronson left the Mavericks and has just been so mm. good, and we didn't resign him. Poor form oh. from the front office of the Dallas Mavericks, um, but that's okay. I'll get over it eventually. Um, there's a lot of talk at the moment about banning the charge. How do you feel about the that sort of chatter at the moment? Because it's such it's been such a like a pivotal thing in basketball for so long. Well, look, there's a bit in it, and of course, you know, this is like in, when the charge rule was introduced, they didn't account for the cunning, the cunning antics of coaches yeah. and the athleticism of athletes who can put themselves into a position in an instant that mm. creates the charge. So, look, it's I, I think as always, it's one of those things that's interpretative to an element. You know, you could increase, you could increase the charge circle, you could make it out to the keyway type of thing. That's one option is to sort of take that out of play, but. You know, look, I think it's it is part and parcel of the game, and we haven't. I don't think it's really impacted the NBL in that regard. It's always a bit of a debate, and of course, the uh, it seems that the referees always seem to favour the uh, the uh, the defender, not the uh, not the attacker. But um, you know, look, I, I, it's always a bit of a conversation. This it's, this is what goes on this year. It'll be something else next year, but yeah. um, I'm sure there'll be a tweak here and there, and the refs will change their calls. The refs will adjust a little bit. I think that's the other element. The refs have to make an adjustment as well. Yeah. Before we get into some NBL stuff, do you have a footy team? And when I say footy, I mean proper footy, not not um, rugby. I mean AFL. Uh, do I have a footy team? Yeah, look, uh, I guess the Swans. You know, yep. a bit of Sydney thing there, and they're, they're our new neighbours where our offices are. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so uh, look, I think the Swans. Yeah, definitely the Swans. Yep. I've never really been a, a football lover. You know, you know, never been sort of really really hyper passionate about it other than the swans if there was ever a moment to be hyper passionate but uh um, yeah yeah no it's uh, i guess i go for that and you know like i just don't support anyone from western australia that's my number one rule <laughs> yeah. classic new south wales bandwagoner <laughs> that just goes for a team that's going well at the time of course <laughs> giant swans giant swans wherever it is <laughs> that's right fine dude the swans the swans were real great on the weekend i saw tom harley oh, today on my way to lunch yeah, and you, you had to give him a hug. I said, "Mate, you let it go. You just gotta let that go." Um, so there's a lot of player movement um, at the moment in the NBL. So obviously you're a part of that because your involvement is in the, the front office mm. side of things. So for guys like, I, I just want to get your take on so guys like Luke Travers, for instance, who are really young yeah. and there's a lot of promise around them. H- how do you think this process would be going f- for them when there's so much on what it seems like on the line? Well, look, it's been an interesting free agency. There was, it seemed like everyone just dropped their bundle. It seemed like every player, it almost felt like every player in every roster had almost been sort of allowed to go to the market type of thing. So it was really, there was a lot of bodies in motion, I must say, from our perspective. You know, we, we of course, um, uh, we went into free agency with a fairly stable situation other than Xavier, you know, thankfully heading over to the NBA, which we're all massively happy about for him. And it obviously creates a change of opportunity for us as well, so we're excited by that. But we had a pretty stable situation. We just had to we had to bed down our um, our bench, and uh, we did that pretty capably, I think. So we're really happy where we are there. Look, um, it's that's a tough one. Uh, with players like like you know Luke and 
you know, there's a lot of players in motion. It was very interesting to see that the three sort of probably identified marquee players in free agency, you know, that two of them returned to their own clubs, which is a pretty extraordinary circumstance with Will and, and with Bulls staying where they were, yep. where they stayed, stayed at home type of thing. And obviously the only change was with um, with Keanu. So, you know, I I don't know. It's I, I can't I, I can't speak for Luke and what if he's, what he's trying to achieve, but clearly, you know, obviously he has ambitions and wants to wants to reconnect with the NBA, and that's totally understandable. Yeah. Um, I, I you know what's he looking for? Is he looking for role? Is he looking for responsibility? Is he looking to play in a winning program, or more importantly, is he looking to play in a play in a take a role in a program? That may reflect what he'll be playing in in the NBA if he gets a chance over there. So yeah, it's a tough one, and you know that's what agents do. That's the agents' job is to guide these guys through this process and put them in the right place. And you know, we certainly, you know, we certainly had conversations with with Luke's agent um, about you know what he was looking for, and you know, we um, I don't think we were the right place for Luke. Uh, I don't think we were exactly the right fit, and you know, we're and he's landed at United, and I'm sure that'll hopefully be the right position for him or the right location yeah um you know but he's got a you know he's got a hell of a job ahead of him right now he's got a he's got to sort of re, re reinvent himself a little bit i think and yeah and in a good way um yeah. and that's what change forces we'll see what change does for him one of my favorite times in the nba off season is is free agency there's so much drama and mm. to be honest there's so many games so like you know you sort of get tired of watching, well, not tired of watching basketball, you get tired of just, like, results. You want some, like, new stuff to happen. And I think that's why so many fans love free agency. When we watch it from afar, it looks like, you know, they're, they're flying them in or whining and dining these players, you know, when they're trying to recruit them. Does any of that happen for you? Are you, like, involved in that when, when players are on the market? Are you speaking with them directly? No. Do you have much involvement in that? Not really, no. I, I look, look, I've... Um... I've made contact with one player um, in this free agency period. He didn't return my call. Oh, brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he thought it was a fake. I, I was like, I for one. Maybe he did, but uh, <laughs> no, no, it was, <laughs> I shouldn't, I actually ruined this for myself. <laughs> uh, no, it was, no, look, it's very much the domain of, um, you know, generally what happens is, and I, I'll generalize. Mm, um, yeah, of course. You know, There'll be a, of course, there's free agency and then there's pre-agency, which precedes free agency. So, of course, we, we're running depth charts across the board. Um, you know, it's quite an involved process. Our our our, um, yeah, our modelling goes out two years, in fact, forward. So we're, you know, we're that's got we're monitoring. You know, obviously, contracted players, players coming up for free agency, yep. college are all key areas, and then a factor in imports as well so you can imagine it's a pretty complex model at times and and you know as things start to fall as players start to land and contract that can tilt or change the whole model that we're constructing um generally it's a direct conversations between the agent and chris pongrass our, our yeah. um ceo uh and and you know that's an incredibly busy period for Chris through that period. Um, a lot of conversations going on, a lot of tire kicking, a lot of gossip, Yeah, a lot of gossip. There's a lot of gossiping goes on, a lot of, you know, trying to find out where people are heading and so on and so forth. When, it, when the rubber starts to hit the road, generally then it becomes a conversation between, um, it'd be Chris, Luke Longley um, and coach. Yeah. Uh, would generally engage then. That'd be the really, that's when the pitch goes. Um, Sometimes we prepare a PowerPoint deck just to sort of visually step out where we're at. That's more the case with imports. Yeah, right. Aren't familiar with the country or the market or whatever. We we include a lot of photos of Bondi Beach, um, <laughs> as many many photos as we can of good times um, for imports. Yeah. But no, generally it's a it's a it's it's a it's nothing glamorous. We don't get up on the G five and fly somewhere. And, <laughs> You know, bring Tom Brady out, or you know, or Buddy, you know, Buddy Franklin, or anything like that. Yeah. It doesn't work yeah. like that. We're, we're, it's a pretty low low rent version of all that, really. Microsoft PowerPoint. It's all you need. Right, make a PowerPoint, but you need. You know what? It's a mate. Honestly, it's pretty much. It's a number. Yeah. It's yeah. a role. Who am I playing for? Who am I playing around? Yeah. And uh, you know, we look. We have our pitch, and we think it works pretty well. And you know, and. Uh, other clubs have their pitch as well. So, uh, you know, we try to keep it pretty simple. We don't yeah. want to confuse players with of course. moving parts. Yeah. 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 
Talking about Xavier Cooks, you mentioned him before. How proud were you when you got to see him move over to the NBA? Oh, it's very proud. Very proud. Very emotional. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, Xavier's from Wollongong. It's where I grew up. Um, Gus, you know, you know, uh, Gus Glover is. We're all sort of. We have this two five double O club. We're all <laughs> in it. So, you know, we're guys. Very proud for him. Um, very happy for his family. His mum and dad are lovely, lovely people. His whole family are lovely, actually. His brother lives in the United States. His sister lives in Melbourne. They're very, very close. Um, and uh, I had dinner with his mum and dad a couple of weeks ago. He'd been over there a few weeks by that stage. And, and you know, I've had no contact with Xavier because, you know, he's got to get on and do his yeah. business. You know, it's not for me to be fanboying around him. So... I'll catch up with him, I'm sure, in a couple of weeks when he gets back here to have a bit of recovery. But um, very proud, you know, um, just just excited for him and knowing that how much it means to him and knowing truly the commitment he made to our club. The, the, what he brought to our club in the time that he was with us was immense. And, um, you know, it frustrated me a little bit in the finals, that bit of talk that was out there about he'd be checking out or he wouldn't be sort of putting yeah. in because looking after himself. It was just, it was harebrained stuff that people were spouting. It was ridiculous. Yeah, especially... He's, he's, he's an absolute champion. Yeah, when you know him personally, you'd see that stuff, it would, yeah. be, it would be frustrating. So how do you walk that line then of being disappointed that he's no longer on your team? Like, he's, he was the MVP of the league. So as a as an owner, how do you go like, well, we want these guys to succeed and, and leave us? Because mm. you, you're essentially wanting to be so good that they're going to leave. Or, yeah. I don't know, that's just an interesting well, balance. Look, we, I don't know. Look, I, I came into this business without any basketball background per se. So I didn't have preconceived views of, you know, what it should be or shouldn't be. You know, I've sort of played what's in front of me. And, you know, I think there's at times there's a bit of a preoccupation in the league generally about long term stability for players, players being around for a long time. I don't quite buy that. I, I describe the NBL as an intersection league. A league where people are going places. Yeah, they're coming back. They're going up. They want to go sideways. It's not a league where you get a lot of stability, and that's reflected in a few things. It's reflected in contract terms, generally one, two years, opt outs, options, all those sorts yeah. of things sit in there. No one's no one's prepared to lay the numbers down for seven years. Um, and then on the back of that, we don't have a draft. We don't have play trades. So it it drives that ongoing sort of fragility in the relationship if you wish or the fragility of the circumstances so naturally i think it's normal that players move around and we made it a bit of a we, we stuck a stake in the ground five years ago and said look we're going to be a club that helps people get places hmm. i think there was a huge upside in just being a club that's known to help players and everyone in the organization move on to bigger and better things whether that's within the nbl or if it's someone from the front office goes and works for the New South Wales Rugby League, great. That's a that's a step forward for that person. So yeah. I'm not I'm not I don't dwell too much on the um, on that 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 lack of continuity because I think change is very important as well. And so it doesn't really worry me that much. Um, hey, it frees up a shitload of money that we're paying Xavier. <laughs> we got some we got some money to play with right now, so don't worry about that. So. Yeah. Um, you can take it that way if you wish, and so you know, and that's that's business. It's a business, and Xavier's moved on to a bigger and better opportunity, and you know, we couldn't be happier for him. Speaking of money, um, sort of that that list came out where each team's spend was released. As someone like I'm, like, it's confusing as someone who doesn't know the intricacies of of how that all works. Are these numbers even yeah. accurate? Like, I don't know. I just feel like they're just numbers put together. I assume they're not. Obviously, I'm not, I don't mean like in terms of accurate of how much is spent on that that's, uh, that's listed there. Yeah. But I assume teams are actually spending more, right? Like through loopholes and like it doesn't count under yeah. certain things. And look, it's a bit, it's a bit of a dark art. I'd say, look, I'd say notionally, the document or the reports that ESPN made uh, by you know the scoop Olgan Ulich, the Olgs, um, they're they're, they're, they're there or thereabouts. Yeah, you know, right. Everyone will say, oh, it's out by a dollar or it's not that. Or oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of variables in there. There's a lot of um, interest rates. Uh, not interest rates, excuse me. <laughs> Particularly when you're dealing in your – because 
most imports are paid by in US dollar net terms. Yeah. Okay. So what that means is they negotiate a, generally a monthly or an annual salary. It's paid in US dollars net of tax. Okay. Yeah. So the club pays the local taxes, income taxes, and then has to gross that out to US dollars from Aussie dollars. So there's always variables in exchanges. Some clubs hedge. You know, there's all sorts of ins and outs that can't go on. Yeah. So they're not they're not specifically accurate, um, yeah. but from a speculative perspective, they're there or thereabouts. It yeah. does raise the conversation as to why don't clubs publish? I don't know. We took the view, you know, we we've been always criticised at the Sydney Kings of buying championships and buying success. It can't be further from the truth. Yeah, it can't be further from the truth. And so we took the step last season. The previous season, so the, the year before, we we took the step to publish one number. We published our luxury tax obligation. Yeah, and it's at least one measure in the marketplace. I've noticed no other clubs publish that, but we're happy to publish our our luxury tax commitment if it is one. And we last year we didn't have a one. We we were under the cap, and then this year we were we were slightly over. Um, but of course, in the model, there's all these exemptions around. You know, indigenous players and next stars and yeah. all sorts of things. So it's a, it's a complicated formula, mm. and I don't think anyone really knows the direct answer. But <laughs> as I said, the context is I would say that's raw, there or thereabouts. Yeah, it's it's at least a bar that you can sort of yeah, balance right. against other exactly. teams and stuff. Um, yeah. All right, let's just talk about Perth because obviously um, I was joking about, you know, you don't want to talk to someone from Perth. but and So you're one of the probably the more outspoken owners in the league. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few that like to talk. New Zealand's one. Um, I used to work for the Perth Wildcats and uh, Troy Georgiou was CEO when, when I was there and he was definitely not a talker. Like he, he used to mm. hate us like being too vocal about anything. So what is it about Perth? Like, why, why do you hate Perth? No, it's not. It's not. It's, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, let's, let's unpack that a little bit here. Yeah. So um, let's, let's, a couple of things. Well, Troy's a CEO, okay? Yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was, yeah. So, yes. So, and that's no disrespect to Troy. I'm just saying that there's clearly, as employees of a club, there's, mm. they're quite limited to what an employee can say, yeah. okay? Chris Bongrass can't say the things I say. And I can't say the things Chris says because there's, there's we're, we're coming at it from a different perspective. So certain liberties and and um, opportunities are presented to you with, in an ownership role where you can articulate certain things because you're not an employee of the club. You're, you're paying right. the bills. So you yeah, have certain exactly what you want. rights if you use your freedom of speech, yep. so to speak. So to an extent, the, the ultimate arbiter is Larry and sometimes he doesn't like what I say. So uh, <laughs> that's okay. So... Um, and look, my outspokenness is nothing other than an effort to create um, interest and conversation and debate and reaction to what is required, what we need to do to build the Sydney Kings in the Sydney market. Um, this is a crowded sporting market in Sydney. There's 23 professional sporting teams in Sydney. 23. That's crazy. So... Good luck, and you got what two newspapers and three television stations and a pay TV network. So, yep. you know, good luck trying to sort of generate any 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 awareness if you if you're not prepared to put yourself out there. So, you know, and part of what I do is, you know, I things I I go out on a limb on are often to ensure that the players know that you know we've got their back. Yeah, that we're there to defend them, and 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 I can say things they can't say uh, as well. So that's where I'm coming from on that. Mm. Um, this alleged antipathy towards Perth is, <laughs> um, you know, it's nothing more than a saga. Um, it's the book of, you know, the book of wars that's been going on. It'll go on. It'll probably go on forever, uh, long after I'm gone. Um, you know, I'm, I'm frankly concerned for the Wildcats personally. I think they're bordering on uh, irrelevance given they're in the West and, Sydney and the East Coast is now powering along in the, in the world of basketball. I'm also concerned for the Wildcats. I think their fans are, you know, that's a shrinking population base. You know, it's hard to grow your fan base if your fans are all mad, rabid people. A lot of people won't come around to that party. You know, they don't want to go to that show anymore. Right? 
So, so I'm just trying to throw out some some lifelines to the Perth Wildcats and to help them as best I can. Uh, that's not often appreciated, but you know, it's okay when you got two rings in two years. We can we're cool to sit back and relax a little bit, and enjoy the ride. It's okay. That's right. You could probably stop talking about the Wildcats once you know if they, they haven't made the final or the playoffs for for two seasons now. So, look, if they are irrelevant, then it'll become boring to talk about them. So, you know, you could move on. You move right. on. Well, look, I'm sorry for them missing the playoffs twice um, in a row. Yeah, great. They made the play-ins, but they didn't make the playoffs. No, it doesn't I'm count. Worried. I'm sorry for them for that, and you know, <laughs> that's for a proud franchise. It's uh, that's got to be a bitter pill to swallow. But boy, they're spending some money. Hutchie's got the checkbook out, so it's. Um, I guess they're the favourites. I, I would imagine right now the bookies would have them as favourites for the championship. Um, you know, come on. Um, <laughs> you're, trying, you're just saying. No, just, well, mate, I'm seriously, mate. No, no, I'm not, mate. Get, hey, seriously, the money they've spent—it's crazy. It's good. It's fantastic, and I'm cheering them. I think it's great. <laughs> I think they're just—I <laughs> love it because you know we need we need that we need that we need someone to have a big go, and they're having a big go. It's expensive, but you know, look, SEN's got plenty of money. They'll be fine. Oh, yeah, okay. you, you went through a process of taking over a team. So that was around, was it 2016-ish that you... No, wait, which one? The, the Sydney Kings. King? Uh, well, we were, we, were in, we were approached by the then owners of the Kings in 2018. 2018. To, um, to take on a 50% shareholding in the club, Yep. which we did. And then um, the following year, after one year in that, um, situation. We then um, came to a mutual agreement with the the, the remaining the fifty percent owners to buy. We'd buy their remaining fifty percent. So yeah, we became I became a full owner in twenty nineteen. Right. So I'm just sort of comparing that to Jack Bendad. Obviously, had the club for a very long time and did some amazing mm-hmm. things for the sport as a whole and and for the NBL. Yeah. Um, and then obviously new ownership came along. So. And they're having a tough time. So you went through this process yourself. Did you have? Did you feel like this weight of responsibility? Like, oh shit! Like, I better do this right because you got a lot of people that you could disappoint. No, I didn't really. Um, the club hadn't been going that well. Um, it's not like we we bought a club that had been rattling up championships left, yeah. right, and centre. Uh, the club had been performing pretty pretty average, actually. In fact, below average. Um, so. You know, I didn't really, and again, I probably naively went into ownership of a team, um, as I said, naively. Uh, I didn't really have a lot of views. I had a, my strong sense was I wanted to do it uh, my way. Um, I don't, didn't come into this with a huge background in in basketball or uh, instinctive knowledge of the sport. I came into it from a, I looked at it from a marketing and positioning and a uh, uh, people perspective. Yep. And so what we embarked upon was an initial rebuild of parts of the business. And we then, the, the first decision I made, really the first meaningful decision I made as owner was to hire Will Weaver yeah. into the role. And so that was roundly criticised. I was very surprised by the anger that was directed towards me as a result of that. Um People very critical of hiring an American coach. Um, didn't like it. Hire Aussie. Americans don't know this market. Don't know this league. They can't coach here. Wow. Uh, and you know, and I and I I've, I live by the mantra: I zig when everyone else zags. I'll go mm. the other way. So you know, I think I didn't feel an obligation. I and initially people were very cynical about my involvement. Of course, there's the darkest histories of this club involve firepower and. People, you know, on social media said, "Oh, it's another firepower. This guy can't survive. Yeah. They won't. They won't keep this thing going." And that stuff doesn't worry me. And I, when I, in one of my messages I wrote to members when I first came on board, I just simply said, "Look, don't judge me by my words. Judge me by my actions, and do that, please." And so, I think the results speak for themselves now. So I, I'm not afraid to upset people. We upset people all the time in ownership yeah. because you can't please everyone. No. But you know. Um, you've just, you've got to you've got to you've got to have a, a, a vision. You've got to have a light on the hill. And honestly, all I wanted to do was win a championship. That's all I wanted to achieve. So um, it's so hard to do that. It's mm. very very hard. Um, and I often say now, sort of jokingly, that if if you, before we ever won a championship, I'd say because I, we went so close on one occasion. I know 
how hard it is and the circumstances. And I, there's so many things can go wrong in the journey towards a championship. Injury, disruption, you name it. I think we've tasted it all. Mm. And I, I jokingly say that I, if you won the national championship in tiddlywinks, I'd kiss your feet. It's that <laughs> hard to do. Yeah. So I have that much respect for anyone that can win a championship in this country in a sport, in any sport. Hats off to them. Yeah. 2020, you sort of just mentioned that. Um, so that was obviously the COVID year when uh, there's a grand final series against the Perth mm. Wildcats. Um, there was a lot of that was just a whole debacle, obviously. Um, so the Wildcats were were um, awarded the championship after the series couldn't finish. Can you remember much? Well, not remember. Can can you talk a little bit about that? Um, about that sort of process for you? Oh, look, I, oh, look, I'm you know, <clears throat> it's not very cathartic to do so. I think about it a lot. Right. Um, you still you still think about it? Yeah, yeah. It's a pebble in my shoe. um it'll never it'll never leave me um ever um because on many reasons but not it wasn't it's not about me personally but the players Mm. particularly uh the players that were impacted players that had never won a championship in their entire careers who didn't didn't get didn't get that thing didn't get that moment to decide it um you know, I, I think there was a lot of media written at that time. Um, some of it was very accurate and very true. Um, it properly, properly reflected on the circumstances. And, you know, I'm not here today to cast judgment on anyone that was involved. Um, a lot of people that were involved aren't involved in their respective clubs now yeah. and in the organisation, interestingly. Um, and, uh, you know, I... I'm, not that I'm take comfort from that, but um, you know, I've spent my entire career in sport, mate. Mm. Like I mean, I've worked in sports since professionally since 1988. Most people weren't fucking born born then. I've been around a long time in this industry. Yeah, I wasn't. And well, and that doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> Sorry, um, I was 89. If that's if that's any <laughs> thing, all I'll tell you is this: is that you. You, when you've been around as long as I have, so well, that's 1988, I don't know what's that, 34 years, yep. 36 years I've worked professionally in sport, made a career out of it, my entire career. And sport moves very quickly, mm-hmm. moves very quickly at times. And sometimes you don't have the paperwork, paperwork can't keep up with how fast things are moving. And things were moving very, very quickly in February of, February of, uh, and March of 2020. And the thing that I've, I've worked all over the world in sport, and when you give your word, your word, your word, you tell the truth. Yeah. And that's it. And you don't change. And, you know, and that wasn't reciprocated in yeah. these circumstances. And so that's my, my one gripe. Yeah. That people lied. People lied in that situation. Denied conversations took place. And, of course... We didn't have time for paperwork. We didn't have yeah. time for email exchange. This was moving so rapidly. It was a moment by moment, minute by minute scenario. And so my one gripe as I reflect on it all and is that my disappointment is that people did not tell the truth. And, yep. um, you know, that's the way things go. And it is what it is now. And, you know, I'm not, I, I don't begrudge the Wildcats claiming their asterisk championship. You can have it. But I I do feel sadness for the people on our side of the equation that weren't weren't given their fair opportunity and weren't treated fairly. When you when you say um, we'll, we'll move on after this because I want to talk about 2021 2022 um, uh, like things the truth wasn't told. Do you mean from the league or from from Perth? Those that those that those that lied know they lied. Right. That's all I'll say. Right. Okay. And you know. I'm standing here today, still in my role, still doing what I'm doing, and I'm telling the truth. Sure. Okay. Well, on the flip side of that, 2021 happened, your first championship um, as the yep. owner of the Kings. Mm. How how good were the celebrations, especially off the back of that? Because that's like such a blow to then bounce back and win. It must yeah. be from the ultimate low to the ultimate high. Yeah, well, we had a year in between. Um 
where we uh, we had a very, you know, we were climbing, well, gosh, that year, 2020, 2020, the 2020-21 season. Yeah. Sorry, I get confused because um, they, they count it as 2020 yeah. and the 2021. And the, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. For simplicity, we'll say that with the, 20, the 2020 finals were stopped. Yep. 21 finals, well, we didn't even make them. Yep. Um, we got caught in a real tough situation where Will Weaver got the opportunity to go and work in the NBA and we, we were stranded without a coach. And again, I'm not critical of Will. That We stand by our – talk about keeping your word mm. – I told him, I said, if you get an opportunity, I'll let you go because that's what we stand for, letting people chase those opportunities. And he got an opportunity to put the club in a tough bind. But that's 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 sport. Anything can drive that circumstance. And so, you know, we hired 40 and 40 had his rookie year as a coach and that was a tough year for us. A huge number of injuries. Yeah. The toll was immense. And so, you know, we climbed out of that. We didn't even make the finals. We missed out by a whisker. If there'd been a top six, we would have been fine. But, you know, there wasn't. So, yeah, <laughs> there you go. So, um, so we roll on, and then you know we hired Chase Buford, and so uh, rolling into the twenty that twenty one twenty two season, twenty two finals, mate. It was unbelievably tough start of the season. Like I mean, frightening. We were. I I'll probably talk about it now. I I did go to Chase's house after about I think six games, and I went to because uh, I. I went and spoke to him. I said, you know, very rarely do I do a house call. And right. um, I went around, we, we met in his living room and, you know, I just we had an honest conversation about what's going on, what's happening and, you know, and more importantly, how can we help? And he exchanged, he gave me some input into areas that he felt that he wasn't sort of getting a sufficient support in some areas and um, or certain level of authority. We addressed that that evening immediately calls were made chris pongrass was dispatched on a visit to an, at someone else's house to talk to them right and um and because you don't have time to waste you've got to get on with it it's moving yeah. fast right yeah and i'm not saying that conversation triggered the turnaround but it certainly gave us a chance to have a reset and then things just started to click and then you know we just got on a roll it was crazy and everything that all the all the disasters and bad things that had been happening to us in the last couple of years prior, everything fell our way. Yeah. You know, everything fell our way. Jalen Adams started playing like a beast. You know, we turned things around with that, that monster dunk he put on Brisbane. That changed the shape of the season. Yeah. And then it just all started rolling. The belief was unbelievable. And um, look, right, and again, rolling to our finals, it was that. To my, for my mind, this, the regret I have is we didn't play Illawarra in a grand final series. I thought that would have been an epic five-gamer. It would have gone to five against Illawarra. It would have been a wild ride, but it didn't work out that way. We got them in two. Um, we, and that was a great win down there in the semifinal. We really put them away. It was a huge win. And then we went into the finals, and then lo and behold, we couldn't believe it. Melbourne dropped the bundle mm. and fell to, fell to Tasmania. And I think... I don't know whether who was more surprised, Tasmania or, or, or Victoria or the Melbourne United guys is who got there. So we found ourselves playing Tasmania and, you know, look, it wasn't a fair fight. In, in, honestly, it was we – were, we were a runaway train that year. We were yeah. pretty frightening what we were doing. And we weren't – and that's not being boastful. That's just being real about it was a pretty hard team to stop. And so – and Tasmania made a great fist of it. But, yeah. you know, we just it was pretty pretty hard to stop that team and – so in the end, it was almost like it was disbelief. I going back to the kissing people's feet if they win the Tiddlywinks Championship. Yeah, I, I was shocked by it, um, and it was a an amazing run. And you know, hiring guys like Ian Clark in, and just seeing players grow like Xavier. Yeah, just just it just all happened. It was just one of those great moments, and the team was so bonded and so together and. It was it was just wonderful. It was really it's heartwarming to think about it, you know. But it was a it was a it was a it was a bit of a parade we were putting on in the end. It was amazing, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Going into then this past season, um, trying to go back to back. You talk about how hard it is to win one. It's obviously incredibly hard to go back to back. Um, yeah, I I don't think I've had like I'm a I'm a 
I try to stay pretty neutral, especially like sort of doing the podcast and I, I work, yeah. you know, in sports and stuff. So I try to stay pretty neutral, but I feel like I only had like one gripe with the Sydney Kings um, this season was that, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll just be frank, I felt like there was this like fake um, us against them thing that you guys were trying to push that was like nobody believes in us and you, everyone's against us. But, like, I don't think that was... Was that, like, a deliberate thing that you guys did to try and, like you said, get interest in the team, interest in the NBL? Like, how legitimately did you believe that people didn't think you guys were good enough to win? Do you, re- do you really think people don't hate the Sydney Kings? Really oh, I think, think people that? hate the Sydney Kings, but I think everyone knew you were the best. You lost, like, six this games. Year? This year? Yeah, this year? yeah, this year. But it was, like, this whole no lead-up, like... Jose. Oh, no people way. don't think we're good enough to win. I don't... That, I, Hang on, hang on. I woke up. I woke up in the start of the season, and the and the, the Adelaide the Adelaide Warriors were the were the hot <laughs> thing, and then Brisbane were the Brisbane were the hottest ticket, and you know we were just like, oh, we've we've had to wipe the roster, you know, the overtime clowns are all shitting on us, you know, <laughs> we're rubbish, whatever, you know. You hear all that stuff, and you just go, all right, well that's cool, whatever, you know. And we were we were never. Um, uh, overtly confident at the start of the season. You know, we're very respectful of a season start. You just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Look, this is a, there's a pretty, it's a pretty shallow, you know, squad you've got. A couple of injuries and sideways, yeah. your season's over, you know. It can happen. So we were never, we were never in that mode of saying, look, we've got this, they're all kidding themselves. But I won't say we weren't offended by it. There was a lot of disrespect. I think it was a fact, yeah. by promoting other teams and talking other teams up the manner that they were, I think simply disrespected what we were doing. Yeah. So no, we were gen- there was a there was a genuine right. uh, co- consciousness of that, and and that and, and that only sort of rolled on further and further as the season went on. I think. Mm. Um, and look, we know we're the biggest drawing team on away games in yep. the league. Right. People, we know people come out to watch and hate the purple, and I and I love that. I I'm yeah. okay with that. It's. Come out, yeah. Pay your money, you can you can have your go, but you know, <laughs> but be respectful. Be yeah. respectful of what we're doing, and you know, people confuse our. There's a sense out there sometimes I get that you know our, our, we're we're arrogant. It's it's pride. Mm. People, please understand. Well, there's no arrogance here, but we're the Sydney Kings. We're not going to be pushed around. We're not the Violet Crumbles, right? <laughs> I do believe there's a there's a there's a sense in the league that they just prefer Sydney to go back to what it used to be. You know, the team that couldn't make it could fake it, but couldn't make it. You know, well, we don't fake it. We actually make it. And so yeah. that'll never change. And that's, that's this is what you see is what you get now. And so like it or not like it, it's okay. Mm. But, you know, at least there's a there's a, there's a a black hat out there somewhere to fight, you know? Yeah. A couple more things and I'll let you go. Um, and it's Monday night and um, probably other things you want to be doing. Um, that sort of touches on, I think, MBL media as a whole. Like, you know, they're... They're very. What I find is, you, know, you don't have to say this, but I find it's very insular, and they control a lot of what comes out. You know, they write their articles, and they've got their mm. their podcast and their talk show or whatever, and so that basically almost whatever they say goes. You know, if they're saying the Sydney Kings aren't good enough, then people just believe it because there's not enough coverage in the league. But that leads to a problem in that, you know, certain writers or like writers are on payroll, so like they just they're employed by the by the league to write certain things. Yeah. Do you see that as like a as a problem? And like, and how do you fix that? Well, because it's it's not peculiar to basketball. Yeah, all the major sports in the AFL have specialised in AFL media. Yes, you know, if you talk people I talk to in general media, you know, get angry that you know, the AFL drops its exclusives to itself. Right? Yes. So this is a this is a function of the, the new regime of, of media coverage of the fact that sport yeah you know, general generally speaking media is a shrinking model um, and you know traditional media print is an example is a proliferation of radio I think but generally speaking those very influential very considered very mainstream media platforms such as print is a, is, a, is a dying a dying breed in that regard. Uh, and they're all more and more focused on clicks and you know all sorts of things. They're not selling papers anymore. They're selling selling content. So there's a, it's a general malaise. And so mm. I wouldn't I don't I wouldn't isolate the NBL and say that that's a problem. But I will say this about basketball. One of my theories on the growth of or the current state of the NBL and the previous the state in the last ten years 
and people i constantly get this you know particularly in sydney oh the entertainment center the good old days the 90s it was never better it was the greatest you know look i i get that but in those days there was no pay tv there was no yep. internet you couldn't watch the mda you might get a snippet here or there you might get the odd game but you know it, therefore people had to focus on the game of basketball they could consume and that was the nbl then the NBL, and the, therefore there was a lot of coverage around, a lot of media in those days, a lot of newspapers. There was a lot of paid journalists that did a lot of things. There was no podcasts. There was nothing like that. It was you know, that was where people got their information from. So it's almost like a perfect storm where you had a changing media landscape, but also the NBL fell in a hole as a league in you know through that period, two thousands, wherever it was, before Larry sort of re re reinserted himself into the ownership of the league. It was a very low period and that not only impacted you know fan bases and things like that it meant that there was less interest from journalists mm -hmm. so i believe that generations of journalists were lost that they just stopped writing about basketball callers a whole range of things happened that that made the the, the referees i'm sure referees walked away from the league they couldn't make a living administrators bench officials it, it really impacted the, the the continuity of the of the uh, the knowledge and expertise associated with the game, and the exciting thing that's happening now is we are in a new new media landscape, and of course the NBL has got to go out and says what it says what it says, because it's got to drive some action and drive yeah. some interest, and there's people consuming that. But podcasts like this, as, as much as it goes against my principles to appear appear on a West Australian podcast, I'll do so. You know, but you know, I, I think you. I think you can. It's not fair to be, you know, um, particularly critical of the NBL in isolation. Hey, don't worry, Liam Santamaria and I and Corey, we have our. Well, I definitely have conversations with Liam. Corey won't come near me. He won't go near me. But um, <laughs> but Liam and I have at it. Don't worry. And yeah. I speak to the league officer. I don't like something. I'll let them know yeah. on Twitter and to their face. I'll tell them straight. Right? <laughs> But but don't I don't think it's peculiar to the NBL. I think it's a it's a it's a con construct of the current nature and and the way that sport is being marketed, promoted, and communicated. And um, it's a, it's a, certainly a sanitisation. And I think to some extent, the NBL, if anything, skews to be less sanitary than other leagues. A lot of leagues would want, don't want stuff written. They don't want certain things said and spoken about. They don't want controversy. At least the NBL is prepared to sort of let it fly a little bit and put some stuff up to see what happens. And yeah. I don't like sometimes some of it. I don't like it, but, you know, that's okay. They're doing their job. And if they're not writing about it, I don't know who else will. Yeah, great. So, yeah, that's where we are. All right, I've got yeah. just a couple of uh, listener questions and then we'll wrap this mm. up. Okay, first one's yeah. from Jacko to McDonald. He says, um, origins around the Hawaiian shirts and do you have a favorite? Okay, right, all right. Okay, the Hawaiian shirts are not a thing for me, right? So what happened was, the origins of that is I, I never, don't really own colourful shirts, but I was in New Zealand, I was in Auckland once, and I went, so I went to the shop and I saw this really interesting shirt, I bought it. Anyway, put it away, and then Andrew Webster from the Sydney Morning Herald wanted to do a piece on me on a game day. So he said, oh, you know, well, I'll spend the day with you. So yep. he... He met me at home and we drove out to the arena and spent the day. And I just happened to throw this shirt on. It was a hot day. I put the shirt on. You're feeling, you know, you're feeling colourful. They, well, they, did a, they had a couple of photographs of the paper and then suddenly it became a thing. And then, so in fairness, I don't, look, I don't, look, that's me, black, right? Yeah. But um, I don't wear them any other occasions than in the arena. And then, um, you know, I and, and now they have become something that, I wish it wasn't the case, but it is the case. <laughs> I do have a favourite. I have well anything we win in. I'm very, very, very superstitious. Really? So okay. If if we lose and I'm wearing something, shoes, socks, anything, it has to be washed several times before I wear it on the game day. But one of our sponsors, she came up to me. She sits near me at games, and she came up. And she gave me this sort of paper sack, and I I, I don't know. She often brings me you know baklava and you know things and. I opened it up and there was this, all these colourful materials in there. I pulled it out and there were four shirts and they're unbelievable. They're like, they're the best things ever. One of them I won't wear because it's got a photo of me on it. But um, there's ones and there's ones with Hoops Capital and Sydney Kings and all that sort of stuff. So that became the, 
yeah. they don't fit or anything like that. They were way too big, but I just go, <laughs> look, I just wear them anyway. So, Great. Uh, so that's the story there. Good. That's, that's good. Um, this is from Cooper Yates. Oh, wait. How does it feel to construct a back-to-back championship team? It's awesome. Can you do so it again? Good. Well, you know what? Back-to-back's been done. Three-peats have been done. What about a four-peat? Imagine that. Imagine a good. four-peat. Is that what you're, that's what you're going for, a four-peat? I mean, you have to uh, say you're going to well, try every, every 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 <laughs> owner says... Every owner says they're going to win. Yeah, I had a conversation once with an owner and he said, Smitty, we're going to win the championship this year. And I sort of stepped back and I said, are you, like, are you real? This is, this is in pre, this is in the off season. Yeah. I said, mate, I just, look, congratulations, all the best. And yeah, no, it didn't happen. But uh, no, it was great. And look, this year was incredible. Um, I must say it was far more rewarding this year, uh, this one because of the back-to-back nature of it. But yep. literally we were at various times through the season, we were at particular back end. We were, we were like hanging onto the glass with our nails. It was that we we're just clawing on, holding on as, as hard as we could. It was a death ride at the end. It was, it was breathtaking at the end. It was not like the previous one, which we were sort of just smashing everyone. This one mm. was frightening. Yep. It was a hell of a ride, but it was great. It was amazing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, Paul. Well, thank you so much. I know it took every no iota of you know your being to to appear here. No, <laughs> no it's okay. all right. Look, it's this, okay. is, this is a basketball okay. show. It's not the Perth Wildcat show. This is purely you know. Last no, no, week we spoke right. to Ryan Brokoff. No. The week before we spoke yeah. to Shane Hill. Uh, yep. So look, it's a yeah, that's fine. So I really appreciate you giving up some time. Um, look, I'll say this: right. good luck for this year. Thank back, you. Back to back thank to you. back. Um, when you're in Perth, please wear that. Hawaiian shirt with your face on it. Please. <laughs> All right. For you, I will, Dan. Thank and you. when I get criticized, I'll say, blame him, don't blame me. <laughs> Very good. Uh, the Backchat Basketball Show is on Instagram, which is backchat underscore basketball. You can send us an email, hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. Uh, episodes come out every Wednesday uh, next week. Not sure who's going to be here, but uh, I'm sure it'll be someone as good as Paul or better. Man. Come on. And uh, uh, Not hard. That's not hard. <laughs> I will chat to you another time and I'll see you in Perth. Bye. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. That episode from Backchat Studios lives on the Acast Creator Network. If you want to sign up as a patron or access all of our merch, head to backchatpodcast.com.au.